Three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Ward. It is a new year, 2023. We finally made it. We're here. You're here. I'm here. But you know who else is here? Uh, a new year means new guests. And ladies and gentlemen, the first guest of the year, brand new, hot off the press, my buddy Nico. Nico, what's up, man? Hey guys, uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Of course, happy to have you here. Um, you know, a very important episode uh, that you've hopped on to be on, so I'm excited to chat with you. Um but a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so first off, you know, for the listeners in the audience, Nico, um, I want to know uh, if you can name off a couple of your favorite movies just to give the listeners a sense to judge you and, you know, um, develop your taste. Perfect. Yes, I love to be judged. Um, first one I'm going to go with is I'm going to start from number three. Number okay. three for me is uh Amazon Prime original movie called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Okay. It is a brilliant movie. Not too many people have seen it by Gus Van Sant. It is uh it stars Joaquin Phoenix and Jonah Hill, has Jack Black and Mark Webber in it. It is just a heartbreaking, beautiful story about uh alcoholism recovery and uh just trying to get past it and trying to get over addiction. Um, love that movie. It is a really good way to make me cry. Great segue to my second favorite movie, which is Jojo Rabbit. Mm. Also a brilliant way to uh, just sob for a few hours. Um, Jojo Rabbit is hilarious if you haven't seen it. I think everyone has at this point by Taika Waititi, obviously. Um, And Scarlett Johansson's in this movie and just brilliant performance by her. I think she got a Best Actress nod for this one. Um, And then uh, first... My favorite movie of all time is Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. Yeah. Um, it's just a classic. Hugh Jackman, uh, Christian Bale, obviously Michael Caine, since it's a Nolan film. Um, it's just one of the most, uh, it's one of the movies that got me into uh, cinematography, that got me into uh, the nitty gritty of filmmaking. And I've been in love ever since. There you go. I love that. Um, how's your Taika Waititi stock doing these days? What with uh, Love and Thunder coming out? Um, Love and Thunder was probably the best movie of 2022. You're right. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Completely awestruck that there was not a single nod to Love and Thunder in the Oscars this year. <laughs> um, if I was Chris Hemsworth, I'd be fuming at the Academy. Um, yeah. But, yeah we should see. We should see where he goes. That's hilarious. Um, no, I on in real uh in being completely honest, I do need to see Don't Worry He Won't Get Far on Part. I've heard it's very good. I just missed it at the time, and I don't know whether that was a lack of um me not caring or it just wasn't available to me. I'm not sure. But I definitely will check that out. Um Joaquin's always good. He's never bad. Um Mm-mm. even in that Joker movie, which I was m- kind of mid on, he's good in that movie. I was thinking about rewatching that in the next couple of days, actually. No, don't do that. Just just leave it alone. <laughs> leave him alone. Um, anywho, so today we've got a couple of things to talk about. Um, first of all, being you know, there's a new viral hit sensation, um, a new pop icon in the horror uh, halls of fame, um, and her name is Megan or Mathrian or however else you want to call it, um. And, you know, everyone's had their eye at the end of 2022. They're like, man, 2023 is going to bring us some great movies. But, you know, what's leading the charge down the mountain 
is Megan herself. Um, so we're going to talk about Megan real quick. So this is uh, a 2023 January release directed by Gerard Johnstone and written by James Wan and Akilah Cooper, the screenwriters behind a personal favorite of yours, truly malignant. Um, and I'm pretty sure you guys know what Megan is, but just in case you don't, Megan is basically, it's basically a child's play sort of spin, uh, black mirror spin where this girl loses her parents and moves in with her aunt who her aunt is kind of a, uh, tech genius inventor sort of thing and so because the girl is going through um you know a very traumatic experience uh the aunt decides to build her kind of a robot um to emotionally bond with uh you know her niece and um and that's megan uh and obviously things go awry as they always do um but i think everyone had their eye on this movie because the trailers i think did a brilliant job of kind of making you go wait a minute what am i looking at here um and shout out to the marketing team i think they uh they killed it most of the time for horror movie trailers um they tend to give too much away or you know not sell the thing well enough but everyone was talking about the million tiktok dance and honestly i feel like that's going to be a way of um getting people to the cinema uh yeah there was the megan tiktok dance there was the people that were dressing up as megan and going to times square it exactly. was completely terrifying but it was a great marketing strategy oh yeah well they did sure. the same thing for uh smile smile year, yeah where they just had like random games. people smiling in like football games or something like that and then a bunch of people went to go see it um but yeah so this movie has already made 100 million um which is awesome i mean good for horror to start out kind of that strong um but, you know, everyone's kind of wondering ever since they saw the trailer, like, is this a horror movie? Is this a comedy? Like, what exactly are they going for? So, Nico, I'm going to have you start off. What did you think of Megan? Or Mithrigan, however we're going to call Mithrigan. it. Um, I loved it. I, I did not know exactly what it was going into it. I'm still fairly new to the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and this wasn't your typical horror movie. There wasn't too many jump scares, I think. When watching this movie, there was more times when my theater was laughing out loud than there was when people were jumping or screaming or getting scared. Sure. And um, but at the same time, it had a very creepy um, motif. The overview of the whole thing just felt like you didn't know what was coming next, and it was kind of perfect in that way. Yeah, I think um, everyone was kind of wondering after the trailers, like what exactly the tone is going here. And I feel like this movie surprisingly nails the balance between comedy and suspense really well. Um, because it's a very funny movie, like right from the first like three seconds of the film, there's like an ad for, you know, like this children's toy that um, Allison Williams character is developing. And it was like, I've never in like the first three seconds of a movie go, I've never went like, oh, they've got this. Um as far as like a movie like this. And as soon as that commercial came on, I'm like, okay, they know what they're doing. They they know exactly what they're aiming for here. But yeah, I mean, I agree. My audience was um in, in hysterics the whole time. Uh, and I think it was intentional, you know? Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of really funny moments um in the movie. Like, Megan's creepy, but it's, it, it's in a camp way. And I feel like a lot of people are, especially right now, are trying to bring like kind of campiness back to horror movies where it's not exactly a comedy but things are being done intentionally for comedic effect. Um, mm-hmm. like you we see that with like the Thai West movies of this year. Yeah, you exactly. See that with, uh, I don't know, not Barbarian, I well, guess. Well, I feel like but... Barbarian definitely has it. And yeah. Some... But I, Malignant I, especially, I I'm like that. I very much like that trend that's coming in with uh, this new set of movies. I think, I really hope that that's going to continue. And they already have a 
uh, on Metabox, it already has a sequel for Megan, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Megan 2.0 coming out in 2025. Um, so we're here. So we're ready. Yeah, we're ready for the Megan cinematic universe. Um, yeah, Megan Hive, stay in line, goddammit. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I had a good time with this. I, I don't know. It's very easy to please me as far as your horror movie goes. Like, just go wacky and wild with it. And, um, and I feel like they did a good job. I wish... This was rated R. That's kind of my biggest complaint going in. And obviously, you know, they're trying to market to a PG-13 audience with the TikToks of Megan and all that stuff. But I like some of the kills. It's just like they're one edit away from like actually like being like a really kind of gory, fun kill. And they never really go there. There's a sequence with an ear that was uh, pretty exciting. Um, Disgusting. Yeah, I was surprised. I I was hiding behind my hands, trying not to (laughs) like even just peek at the screen. And she just pulled the ear, and it was it was nasty. But there was a lot to be uh, given for people that love these horror movies, people that have seen Malignant, people that uh, just went and saw Skin Marinka, people want to see the gore, people are uh, obsessed with it. And we saw in the trailer, Megan pulls out the uh, paper cutter, but mm-hmm. we didn't get to see a kill with that. That was something I was excited to see going into it with, with her just putting that into somebody's brain. Right. Uh, but we just got to see the after effects of it and didn't get to see this having motion that is so uh, dear to us. Right. The other thing I was kind of surprised about with this movie is, so, you know, it's about an hour 40, which is around a typical runtime for a horror movie. Um, I was kind of surprised how much it took to actually, like, get going. And it's not a, um, that's not a critique. Uh, like that's not a negative point at all, but I was kind of expecting that we get Megan sooner. But there's a lot of time and emphasis placed on, um, you know, the main girl. I forget her name, Katie. That's what it is, Katie. Um, and there's a lot of emphasis on just kind of her grief and how, you know, her aunt doesn't really, you know, she's not exactly equipped to deal with, um, a child in the house. And there's kind of a social worker who comes in, um, and kind of says what we're all thinking. But I don't know. I was kind of, um, I don't know if the emotional uh, kind of sections of the movie like were amazing or anything, but I was actually happy that they put that in there. Um, they give it time to see like, uh, you know, how Megan is initially good for Katie, how she's kind of helping her, you know, process her grief. But there's this metaphor that it's going with, kind of a black mirror um metaphor about like screen time and how much, you know, if you're if that's all your kids are doing, they're not gonna have um, you know, a lot of like social function or emotional function afterwards. I thought it was really clever how they integrated that. Is that anything new? Not really, but I'm I was happy that they put that in there. Yeah, I agree. Um I liked the idea of dependency on technology, something that we've been saying a lot more recently in uh the in movies uh just with uh how intense it is uh how fatal it can be if your life becomes so dependent on this technology and how you can um how it can slowly just slip away from your your control yeah and you know like obviously um Again, we're not uh, we're preaching to the choir here, but I mean, I, 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 again, we didn't really know what we were walking into with this, and I'm happy that it took its time to be like, sure, you know, here you go. While at the same time, you know, uh, being kind of campy and fun. I mean, you know, the characters who you want to die will die. Um, you know, there's that bratty kid who gets his ear ripped off. Like he's kind of a dick, and you're like, I want this guy to go down. I hope Megan kills him real good. And you're like, yes, yes. So, um, you know, it's satisfying that funny as well. Yeah. It's the one, the one other kid that we see in this entire movie, and he's just such a prick. We just 
are very excited to see the little doll come to life and just absolutely clap them. yeah and they did it they did it well they did and it well we saw them on the stretcher in the trailer right um we knew it was coming we just wanted to see how they would do uh, how megan was going to implement this torture on it and it was perfect it was great yeah and you know i mean this movie sounds terrible i'm gonna try and word this the best i can but you know most pg-13 movies they don't like dealing with uh putting children in danger this movie constantly has children in danger a child put dies them in the body bag and put i'm them like in the yes body bag. yes i like my stakes in horror movies um but no, I mean, I had a good time with this. Obviously, I think the setup and payoffs are, you can see coming. You know, there was like a robot that they built. Um, Oh, God, what was his name? It wasn't Bill. It was, I don't know, who knows? But there was a robot that they built at the in the first act that was like, okay, that's probably going to come back later. And it does in sort of a fun, real steel um, kind of uh, payback that I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Good callback. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, it's nice to have, I don't know, January, and we'll get into this um, with what we're talking about next, but January is normally a month where you can't really rely on movies, because that's kind of where all studios kind of shit out their releases that they're not confident about. But, I don't know, like, the fact that Megan was actually, like, pretty quality, and it's already made 100 mil. Like, hopefully that proves that the January box office can be profitable. Um, I'm which... just excited to see what this year is going to look like. Um, yeah. We saw last, uh, 2022, had a had three big box office hits, um, like major one billion dollar box office hits. I'm excited to see uh, what it's going to look like. There's a lot more people that are returning to theaters. A hundred yeah. million in um, in 19 days is incredible for a movie like this. Um, and there are a lot more really good movies that are coming up on the lineup uh, over the next two or three months. So I'm excited to see people get back into theaters. I'm excited to see uh, how uh, the movies that are going to be coming out in the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think because horror, of that. Yeah, and I think horror audiences are always... Um, like, I was talking with this with someone else. Like, horror audiences, you don't need to do a ton to get them into mm -hmm. the seats. Like, all you need is the concept, you need some cool kills, and, you know, you maybe have a couple scares every now and then. Like, that's all you need. Um, and horror audiences and are you very... See that. Yeah forgiving um I, yeah. and willing to like root for the little guy when it comes because like this is this budget was like i think less than 20 million and it's already like quadrupled that in box office so i'm sure you know the, pe the good people at universal are uh patting themselves on the back um mm -hmm. which is good and i mean this is a it is a blum yeah it is a blumhouse movie jason blum is like the smartest man in the hollywood industry because he's like listen let me just you know take uh let me give this movie like, you know, 10 to 15 million dollar budgets. And then first weekend, they like double it. It doesn't matter the quality. It'll make a return just because horror fans um, love that genre so much. So, you know, good for Jason Blunt. How many he's out there? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'll watch a sequel. I'm not like dying for a sequel, but I think it's funny. And I love all the memes. I hope we see Megan at the Oscars. Um, actually, no, I don't. Let me cringe. I take back what I said. Um, yeah, but, I would, I would, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see six more Megans uh, taking take inspiration from a Scream franchise and just continue to put out movies that are that have that are quality that may have similar plots but are enough to be exciting. Have characters come back. Have uh, just create a legacy that people want to come and look at. Uh, come and watch. Yeah, I think the next those, hit those movies are very fun. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, 
let's move on real quick. There was another January release that honestly I thought was going to be garbage, but then I saw it and I might enjoy this more than most people think. Um, this movie is called Plane. You heard me right. This movie is called Plane. Um, and this is uh, a action movie that uh, came out, obviously, January 2023, directed by Jean uh, Richet. And it's sorry, Gerard Butler and Mike Coulter from uh, Luke Cage fame. And, uh, you know, Gerard Butler, he's a pilot. And uh, the plane crashes in sort of a, um, you know, mercenary area. And he's got to, you know, he's got to save his passengers. And Mike Coulter is a prisoner who was being transported on this plane. So he's got to team up with Gerard Butler to save the day. And let me tell you, I was expecting nothing from this movie. But oh my gosh, I had a great time with it. Is it good? Who knows? But, um, you know, I'm happy that uh, Gerard Butler is still out there. Um, doing the Lord's work. What did you think of playing? Yeah, this movie was extremely adequate, but yeah. it was also a lot of fun at times. Um, it it did the really good thing of keeping you engaged, keeping you in lockstep. You weren't checking your watch to see how much longer was in this movie. That you can even get that with a lot of great movies, is if they have uh, roles. This movie didn't really feel like it had too many roles. It was always a lot of action coming when it felt like it, the plot was slowing down. Um, and it was very intense. You got to see what it's like to fly a plane. You got to see what it's like to um, to crash a plane, but keep it a, keep everyone alive. It was like a Captain Phillips and Sully put together sort right. of thing. Um, and it was just fun. It was stupid. It was um, a predictable plot, but it was fun. Yeah, I think, again, it's sort of like the Megan thing. I'm happy that, like, I don't know, 90s action movies are apparently back with this. Um, You know, <laughs> again, I wasn't really expecting anything, but you kind of realize, like, this is Gerard Butler's bag now. This is kind of just what he does. He's like, all right, listen, I'm going to make a pretty competent action movie, and I'm just going to keep doing them. And he's found his lane, and good for that. I like when actors have a lane that they can rely on, Um, especially with this. It was fun. Is it stupid? Absolutely. Um. You know, are the setups and payoffs predictable? Absolutely. But you know what? My audience had a great time. I saw this at an early screening, and my audience was like hooping and hollering for the whole thing, which was great. It really helped the experience. Um, and I think it's good that they put this movie in theaters for that sort of thing. I mean, when I saw, when I heard about this, I was like, oh, this sounds like a straight to VOD kind of movie, um, just from the premise and the title and Gerard Butler doing it. But I don't know, you know, seeing it with the crowd, everyone was having a great time. It's R-rated, so that way you have some fun kills in there. Um, especially in the third act, there's like a militia guy that comes out with like this big-ass gun, and he starts like taking shots, and everyone, you know, gets murked by him. It's great. I love it. I don't know. There was uh, one scene, uh, one kill that was, uh, while they were on the plane, they hit a bump of turbulence, and you very graphically got to see a neck break yeah and it that was, was crazy excruciating it was terrifying <laughs> i did see this uh fact on imdb that the studio wanted a different name for this movie but it was gerard butler who said he wanted the movie's name to be simple and made it be plain so Hell it yeah. is gerard butler's fault that the movie has the stupidest name so no. far of no 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 that's a great title it gives you everything you need to know it's just plain I love it. It's so simple. When the title came on, it was like, you know, really serious music. It's like Lionsgate Presents, Plane. My audience cracked up, and I'm like, yeah, let's I, go. I, I remember seeing that. Um, I was, I think it was Avatar Way of Water was the first time I saw this trailer. Yeah. And I was in theaters, we were watching it. I was like, okay, this movie looks hype. Okay, this movie's getting <laughs> exciting. And then it just said, 
plane and I died laughing. <laughs> I could not control myself. But again, like, with no marketing, way, like I think I think it was a wise decision for them to call it this because everyone's like, there's no way that movie's named Plane. You're like, it is. <laughs> That's what it's called. Um yeah, so Jordan Butler, I thought, did a good job. It's nothing really new from him as an actor, but he's very reliable. And what I like about him in this is there is a kind of one-take action sequence that's kind of his first, like, real fight in the movie. And it shows that, like, he's not, like, as badass as he normally is. Like, he has trouble fighting the guy. It's a very, like, kind of mm-hmm. sloppily choreographed fight intentionally, obviously. But, um, you know, I appreciated that there were moments like that that you're like, okay, he's not, like you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who will kick everyone's ass without any uh, problems. Like, he's just basically a normal guy. Um, and Mike Coulter is the one who's like, hey, I was kind of like, you know, special ops before I was arrested. You know, um, he's kind of the more badass. And I really like Coulter in this movie. It makes me wish we had a lot more movies with him in it, um, especially after Luke Cage, because I thought he did a good job in that show. There were problems in that show, but he wasn't one of them. Um I agree with you. I thought Mike Coulter was really good, and I was actually wanting more of him in this movie. Yeah. I didn't feel like we got enough. Um, we didn't really get a, a, any of him until the second act. Um, yeah. He was kind of pretty much ignored in the first act, like, oh, here's this uh, prisoner guy. Um, and then in the third act, he kind of just uh, faded away into the background as the characters became more important than him, and he wasn't really one of the main guys as right. Gerard Butler was. But I would love to see more stuff from them. I enjoyed them together. I would love to see um, them going head to head with each other uh, against them in a main seat. What that movie would look like. Right. Plane 2. This time it's Plane 2. Um, but it wasn't, I don't know. It was just a good audience ride. Do I remember a ton of the story details? Not really. But there's a moment in the third act where they're like, listen, I think there's a way to get this plane off the ground. And my entire audience is like, let's go. Bring it on. <laughs> Fly that plane. Um, and it was good. You know, there's some cute, again, I, I, I like it when a movie has simple setups and payoffs. It's satisfying. It's fun. Everyone had a good time with it. Um, you know, are people going to remember this in two months? No. But it was a fun time. And I appreciate that Lionsgate put this out. Um, again, in a month where everyone assumes that this is garbage. And, it, you know, there's a reason for it. Obviously, December is kind of the box office heavyweights. What with your Star Wars, your Avatar, your Aquaman, your, you know, um, all that stuff. But I don't know. I had a good time with it. Uh, I appreciate the news. Read it R. You know, I love to see some uh, nice, fun kills every now and then. But, uh, yeah, good time, at least in my opinion. Although the audience experience definitely helped. So, you know. I agree. It was a fun time. I was the audience with two other people uh, a couple days ago to watch this movie to get ready for this podcast and um i, I had fun i had fun i had, um definitely just a, a dad movie definitely take your dad if you have Absolutely. a good relationship with him you guys can applaud at the end of the movie when they land the plane you can applaud when they landed they did land the plane the uh, passengers on the plane did applaud uh the captain i felt like i was in real life there i felt like i was sitting there applauding with them it was yeah. a great time <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean you know and there's not a lot else i can say about it it was fun we had a good time but you know it, it, it's plain it's plain uh it's plain. exactly now uh let's transition to um the main event what we're here to talk about uh you know there's an award show uh the oscars ever heard of it um every year the academy of motion picture arts and sciences uh, they decide. They're like, listen, it's time. We're going to sit down. We're going to determine what the best of the year is. 
Um, and they uh, just leaked their nominations. Not leaked. They announced their nominations yesterday. Um, not yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. It but, was uh, yesterday. It doesn't matter. Whenever you're listening to this, they uh, dropped them on Tuesday. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're just going to, you know, read out um, the important categories and, you know, chat about what we think. But um, I guess overall... What do you, what did you think of the nominations? Are you impressed by them or are you let down? Like, where are you? What, what's your mindset? There are a couple of nominations that I'm really excited for. Uh, we'll get to those eventually. And there's a couple that I was really disheartened by that I feel like a lot of people in the film community were really wanting to see, uh, especially in that international spot. Um, again, we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> but everything else just seemed pretty run of the mill. This sure. is the first time that I've uh watched pretty much everything that's been nominated uh in my life so i guess i was just kind of excited um excited for that excited that i don't have to do too much prep for watching the oscars right but also pretty disappointed that there wasn't some polls that i didn't know about or stuff that um i wasn't expecting it just seemed very much the safe uh safe choices yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the nominations as a whole, I think there's a lot to be happy with. Um, obviously, a lot of my favorites are represented here in some good categories, which mm-hmm. I'm happy about. But it does feel like for some of the categories, and this is a problem with all of the Oscars, like it's very well known that the Academy, when voting, doesn't watch all the movies. Um, and I feel like there's kind of a lot of like, oh, we nominated it here, let's just nominate it here thing, where you're like, well, what about this over here? Um but I don't know. You know, it's kind of it's it's like when Mad Max went on to win every single award in the Oscars, but didn't get a nomination for best directing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, guys, what do you mean? And that you know, I'm happy that that swept. Obviously, I love a good sweep. But um, yeah. Anywho, so uh, let's just get into it. We'll go through the categories, and if we have anything to say, we'll say it. So uh, starting from the bottom of the list right here, we have uh, best sound. And the nominees we have are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Maverick. Um, pretty solid list. I think all of them had pretty good sound design. Really happy that The Batman got in there. Um, you know, I've been rooting for that movie since day one. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot to um, knock them out. I'm a little sad that Nope wasn't in this conversation. I thought the sound design in Nope was like immaculate. But I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. Any thoughts from the sound category? I, I agree with you completely. Um, no Pastor didn't get a single uh, nomination this year, which I was very surprised about. Ridiculous. I was hoping to see them get some sort of uh, some sort of pull, but um, I, we def- are we giving uh, predictions or are we just talking? Sure. About yeah. What do you think's gonna win? What do you think's gonna win? Uh, okay, I think uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is definitely a um, front runner for this one. Sure. Uh, that movie was brilliantly made. It was very well crafted. And I think that um, when looking at all this list of five, All Quiet on the Rest of the Front definitely uh, has an edge over the other four. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'll be different and I'll shoot that Maverick might take it. Only because, you know, the sound yeah, of the jets, the sound of the missiles, there's nothing like it. You're flying. Um, I agree. I agree. It was a great experience to watch. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, solid sound category there. Not a lot to be mad about. Um, it could be Elvis as well, just because, oh, you know, it's music. Music is sound, that bullshit. But whatever. Um, anyway, next up on this list, we have Best Original Dreams Score. Dreams are dreams. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Western regional score, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and the Fablemans. Um, I feel like this is Babylon to lose. Uh, Babylon's score rips, uh, and it whips. So I'm hoping Justin Hurwitz takes home another Oscar, because goddammit, he deserves it. I love that score so much. I agree. I listened to it on the way home from the theater that night. Yeah, I listened did. to it probably once a week. It is my hype-up song as I'm walking to class at 7 in the morning. It is my um, song that keeps me... It is my soundtrack that keeps me energized in the past month. I have oh. loved the soundtrack. I've loved everything that he's done in his partnership with Damien Chazelle. I'm just very happy with that uh, soundtrack, and I think it's going to do wonders. There's not really much that could beat it. Uh, of course, you have your John Williams in this group, but when you think back to Babylon and when you think back to Fablements, you don't really remember what the soundtrack is to Fablements. You yeah. don't, you can't, because the Fablements was the story. The story was brilliant. The screenplay was incredible, but you don't remember what the music was behind it. Uh, yeah. it there's nothing special. There's no Hedwig scene that's going to be stuck in your head forever from John Williams. But when you look at Babylon's theme, it is something that keeps you entertained. It keeps you energized. And you remember it is a focal point of that movie. And it was brilliantly, it was a brilliant part of that movie and kept that movie, um, kept you on your toes while watching it. I agree. Um, Yeah, the Babylon score is amazing. I don't, you know, I I hate to hurt uh, your baby. The Banshee score is good. I feel like it's kind of the same theme over and over again. So I don't exactly know what that's doing there. And then the Fablemans as well. Like, I just don't remember that score at all. I mean, and obviously John Williams, he's iconic. Everyone loves him. And for good reason. Um, But I feel like this score was just not really what you come out of the movie thinking about. And All Quiet had a good score, but I really didn't like that um, electric guitar riff that they played in that. I found that distracting. Um, But I don't know. I wish similar to other war films. Right. Yeah, it's not doing it, anything it, like that. Same no. vibes as Sam Mendes, 1917, same vibes right. as Nolan Dunkirk, just very similar to other war films. Um, yeah. Just like, thematically. Right. I just wish they gave it to, I mean, Giacchino uh, for Batman, like, and, I, and that didn't even get shortlisted, so it wasn't going to happen, which is maddening, but, like, that's one of the best scores of the last year. Like, he really popped off with that. I love the Avatar mm. score. I really like the Nope score. Um, the Northman score is also really good, but, uh, you know, whatever. And even Bones and All had a really good score, but I don't know. The, uh, the Academy doesn't watch movies, so whatever. Um, anyway, so what do we think is going to win? Oh, yeah, I, I mean, Babylon's got to win, right? It has Babylon's got to yeah. But I think that one is one of the very few rocks for this Oscar. I there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of tight races, but I think there are two or three rocks, and uh, this is one of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so next up we have uh, best makeup and hairstyling. So the nominees we have are All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Um, I feel like this could go in a lot of different directions. I think all of them are good um, picks. I mean, you can't really fault any um any of these movies for their makeup uh i mean obviously i think i'd go batman again i know i said i'm biased here but like the fact that that's colin farrell as the penguin is kind of unbelievable to me so i'd give it to them 
based on that alone. But you can pick any, like, all quiet, again, like, all the, there's that moment where the guy kind of gets blown up, um, and there's all, like, that rocks and debris that, like, stick on his face mm, for a lot yeah. of movies. Like, that's really cool. Wakanda Forever, obviously, with the Telecon people, I think that was really sick. And obviously, the Wakandan culture as well. Elvis, again, you know, the Colonel Tom Parker, like, that was a pretty impressive makeup job. And the whale, I mean, you know, Brendan Fraser putting on that suit and looking the way he did, like, that's pretty impressive. So all these couldn't go anywhere. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I think but, uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, you talk about Colin Farrell and the Batman, but you also have to look at Brendan Fraser and the whale. Yeah. Um, both of them look like completely different people. Yeah. Uh, and that's all thanks to the makeup guys. Uh, the makeup department did wonders in these two movies. And that's why I think it's going to be between one of these two. I could see Elvis getting something like this just because the Academy is risque sometimes. But I think... Uh, Elvis is going to lean more towards the costume design than hair and makeup. Yeah. So I would definitely give it to Whale or Batman, but um, it's a very tough choice between the two. It can be anyone's game, and I think any pick I'd be able to understand uh, where they're coming from. What's your but... pick? Let's get your pick before we move on. <laughs> I'd probably go Batman. I like you tell me Colin Farrell's in that movie. I don't believe you. Um, that's pretty okay. much all I have to I'm say gonna about take, that. I'm going to take the Whale just to juxtapose. That's fair. Hey, you know, we love conflict. Um, and in this uh, podcast, that's what we uh, so to um, inspire, really. So, uh, yeah, of course, I, I love it. OK, so the next category we have, uh, I mean, shout out to live action short. I've seen none of them, so we're going to move on. Um, although I respect uh, all live action shorts as someone who's trying to make my own myself. Um, best costume design. We have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis. Everything everywhere all at once, and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Indeed. Um, where do you feel on that's what I heard? I haven't seen it, but apparently she goes to Paris. Um, as far as costume design, how do you feel on this? Um, as far as uh, Miss Harris goes to Paris, I have seen the ads, and the costumes look pretty cool for a um timepiece. Uh, it looks normal for a timepiece, honestly. Um, I'm not too uh concerned about that one good for them for getting a, a oscar nomination <laughs> um i definitely think it's going to be between um babylon or elvis i ride babylon you know i ride babylon you ride babylon um but i really do think uh in my gut i think elvis is going to take this one i don't see everywhere every everything everywhere getting this one but they could have that uh 25th or 2016 sweep we don't know sure um, sure but um, I really think uh, Babylon's going to take it. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think all these have pretty good costume design for all of them. Um, there's not really uh, an outlier. Where I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, I would, my guess, like, if I if I was going from my gut, I'd say, personally, I'd pick everything everywhere just because of all the outfits that they put Jomu uh, mm-hmm. Tapaki in. Um, like all the millions and millions of outfits <laughs> that are kind of crazy there, but uh, it, it can really go anywhere. It's hard for me to like pick something, but I'd probably go with Elvis only because that's nominated a lot. Um, and I mean the costumes in Elvis are very pretty to look at, so I'm not all that upset about this one. But yep. what's your what are you lacking? Oh, that's a tough one because I talked about Elvis earlier for a costume. Um, I definitely think it's going to be between those two. I'm going to give it to Babylon. All right, sounds good. My bias uh, there. Sure, sure. So we have animated short film. There's not a lot to talk about. However, there is uh, one short film on here called My Year of Dicks. Very cool. Um, 
let's move on to uh best animated feature film. So we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Pretty predictable slate. These are all the basically good animated movies that came out this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is going to take it. The Academy loves Guillermo. I love Guillermo. Um, Puss in Boots, I think, will have a pretty good campaign uh, going for it. Obviously, the incredible word of mouth around it is definitely helping it out. But I think this is Guillermo del Toro's to lose. Um, I don't know if I agree with you. Um, okay, very, interesting. Before I get into that, I'm very excited to see the Sea Beast. I don't know if you got to see that one this past year. I didn't catch it. Was it. A Net, it was a Netflix original movie. Definitely give it a look. It was really fun. It's a How to Train Your Dragon sort of vibe, and I really loved it. I had a lot of fun. Uh, as well as another Netflix movie, Apollo 10 and a half. Yeah, I, I saw was that. hoping that that would get a nod for um, this as well. I don't think it was in the shortlist, but that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I did not like turning red for the life of me. Wow. I I despised it honestly. I was having a hard time staying into it. I was having a hard time liking it. I just didn't have fun with it. Damn. Puss in Boots is incredible. Puss in Boots um, is awesome. Everyone, everyone and their mom is talking about it right now on the college campuses. True. Um, but my pick is going to be Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That could um, definitely Marcel, take it. Marcel has a place in my heart. It has a place in anyone's heart who's watched that movie. And I think the Academy is not going to forget that. I think the Academy is going to um, watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Love it. Um, but no, see that it's just, uh, see that it's absolutely beautifully made. But I think Marcel the Shell um, just has that story that's going to uh, pull at the Academy's heartstrings and uh, pull at my heartstrings. I love Marcel. I would um, commit violent crimes. To protect that little shell, um, nice. I nice. think a lot of people would do the same. Absolutely, no. I was just about to say the same thing. Um, yeah, I think Marcel is kind of the underdog here. It's very possible that Marcel could take it, and deservedly so. I mean, these top three: uh, Pinocchio, Marcel, and Puss in Boots. Like, if any of them take it uh, home for the night, I'll be pretty happy. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably push Pinocchio, and you push Marcel. I respect it. Um. All right, so next one, we have Best Visual Effects uh, nominees, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Wakanda Forever, and Maverick. Um, I this feel is like this a rock. Is, I feel like this is Avatar's to lose. I mean, shout out to, you know, The Batman and Maverick, um, and even All Quiet. They all looked great, but uh, I think Avatar's got it in the bag. I, I have nothing else to say. Uh, there were dull moments in this three-hour and 20-minute movies but it did not matter with how beautiful those dull moments looked. You were in the water, you were playing with whales, you were trying, you were understanding life as you know it. Um, and it was one of the most gorgeous pieces of film that I've seen in this past year. And I was, I I loved it. I'd watch it again in theaters. Um, and yeah, it's there as toys. I agree with you. That's the second lock I have of the three uh of the three locks this is the second one yeah um yeah avatar love it i would die for it i would die for my whale best friend pyrocon um anyway moving on uh next one we have best production design um we have all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water babylon elvis and the fablemans um again strong lineup here uh it's hard to like you know knock anything but I like I Babylon might have a shot here, but again, I feel like it's probably going to be Avatar or Elvis is my guess. 
Um, just considering how much, and you know, people can make the complaint, oh, I'm an avatar, oh, you know, it's filmed on a green screen. Yeah, but still, like the, the amount of effort they're putting into um, the look of that movie, it can't be underlooked. So I don't know. That's right. I I'm agree. Um, I don't see All Quiet particularly getting it. I don't see uh, The Fableman really getting it. The Fableman no. was the movie that was that took place in three different houses. Right. Uh, Elvis, um, Elvis was the run-of-the-mill biopic. I really do think it's going to be between Babylon and Avatar. Sure. Um, but I'm going to put my hat in the Babylon ring again, sure. uh, as I always do. I think Babylon had a variety of different places that it took. That It was that every single scene felt like it was at a new place, and I think it was. Um Babylon was just so well made. It looked beautiful throughout the entire thing, and I loved it. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, I think you could give it an Oscar alone just based on the first thirty minutes with the huge party slash orgy. Um. That opens the movie like that on its own. You're like, wow. Um. What am I looking at? So, you know, I uh, I I I can definitely see it going that way. Um. Okay. So best original song. Uh, nominees, we have Applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black and the Ricotta Forever, Not To Not To from RRR, and This Is A Life from Everything Everywhere All At Once. Um, I've heard four of these songs, and I like four of these songs. They better give it to Not To Not To. That song and that movie is currently taking the world by storm. It is the catchiest thing I've ever heard, and I want it to win so badly. Um, I, yeah. I would love for Not To Not To to win, but even at the end of the day, I'm just happy that it got put up for original song because it means that they are going to perform Not To Not To at the 95th Academy Awards. Oh, it's going to whip so, so hard. excited. I'm so excited to watch it. And for everyone who didn't get to watch or, or refuses to watch a three-hour foreign film, which I completely understand at times, um, if everyone didn't get to watch it to experience Not To Not To firsthand, it is going to be so fun to watch that. Um, I'm with you. I've heard it for these five songs. Not seen Tell It Like a Woman. And I don't think anyone has. Sorry to tell it like a woman. Yeah, very true. Um, <laughs> but I think Not To Not To is a front runner. And yeah. I don't. And I think uh, Hold My Hand is up behind that. Yeah, I think a lot of people like that. It's a little bit of a shame that um the other Top Gun song wasn't in there. Uh, I ain't worried. Um, I found that very catchy as well. But whatever. Um, it doesn't really matter. This this category is kind of a joke. But if Nachi Nachi wins, I will be very happy. Um, uh, okay, so next up we have Best International Feature. We have All Quiet on the Western Front from Germany, Argentina 1985 from Argentina, Close from Belgium, EO from Poland, and The Quiet Girl from Ireland. What is up with this category? I am um, kind of shocked. There's a lot of snubs here. No Decision to Leave, which was like kind is, of yeah. unanimous and critic favorite across the board. Um, you know, I heard EO was good. I heard Close was good. Argentina 1985 kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but I don't know. This Argentina like... 1985 did come out of nowhere. I, uh, I think it did. It won Best Foreign Film in the Golden Globes. Okay. I think it did well in the BAFTAs. Um, Argentina 1985 has been great. It's on Prime Video to watch for free. I'm oh, planning on watching it this weekend. Um, I but yeah, I'm right there with you with uh, decision to leave. Decision to leave was one of my favorite foreign films that I've ever seen. 
Um, it was brilliantly written. It was perfectly acted. And it just left every single audience. Uh, when I went and saw it the two times, it left both audiences completely speechless. Yeah, It was one of those movies that you look back on and think, wow, that was an intense two hours of my life. Yeah, absolutely. It just feels like, I don't know. Like I, I haven't, and I, I haven't seen. I'm the only one I've seen is All Quiet on the Western Front. And I'll change that in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's just shocking that a movie that critically regarded um was not you know mentioned at all here, which is a shame. Um, All Quiet's winning. It's in the like Best Picture nominees as well. And I feel like if a movie, if if Argentina wins Best International, but that's not nominated for Best Picture, I feel like that's a glitch in the Matrix right there. I feel like the Oscars is going to like crash and burn. So I feel like All Quiet's basically a lock. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. We have the um, precedent with um, Parasite. Uh, if it wins, or if it's in the Best Picture nomination, right. uh, then it's going to win the international film. Right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so moving on, uh, next one we have Best Film Editing, uh, and we have Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, again, not a ton to complain about. Again, I like Banshees. I don't know if I'd like, you know, say, oh man, the editing was really good in that movie. I think it was good, but I don't know, something like Decision, Decision to Leave, or um, even like Bones and All, or like Nope, I feel like those would be um, good to be in this conversation, but whatever the academy didn't watch him and elvis like elvis is well put together the editing is a bit obnoxious but the academy does like obnoxious editing so you know it could go anywhere i don't know How, where, where do you where are you at with this category i agree i don't i, I don't think that ben she's it in the sharing it's uh something too uh, great when it comes to its side of things oh it's nothing special it's a great yeah. film it is my favorite film of 2022 i am rooting for that when we get to best picture uh spoiler Right. But I think this one's, I'm very uh, surprised to see Tar in here as well. I love Tar. I yeah. knows very well. I, um, about 10 minutes ago, I found out I'll be able to see it in theaters again in the next couple of months. So I'm That's right. quite excited for that. Um, but I think this, this one's in between everything, everywhere, and Top Gun. Yeah. Um, I think that it could go either way, and I wouldn't complain either way about it. I don't see it going to any of the other three, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a toss-up between Maverick and Everything Everywhere. Both incredible feats of editing Maverick because of, you know, how much aerial footage they had in order to put it all together in a way that's, like, almost seamless. And Everything Everywhere, uh, like, almost specifically for that one moment where it's, like, a million different Michelle Yeohs and, like, a million different universes just flash on the screen in a matter of, like, 30 seconds, um, which you can't imagine how hard that is to put together. Um, I don't even want to think about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably... If I had to guess, I think it would probably be Maverick. Um, but I, in personal, I'd probably pick everything everywhere. So I don't know. I will take uh, Maverick as well. Um, I think the way they made that movie, the amount of time they put into perfecting what it's like to be in the air, what it's like to um, feel the G's. Um, I watched that movie in 4D. That was an incredible experience. Yeah. And it's definitely. Definitely in front on it in my mind. For sure. Um, no, I agree. Uh, okay, so documentary short film is next. We, uh, we're going to skip that. Documentary feature film. Um, I just have a quick thing to say. So the nominees are All That Breeze, All the Beauty and Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. 
I've seen two of these. I've seen Fire Love and All the Beauty of the Bloodshed. Both great. Um, I gotta say, very disappointed that Jackass Forever was not nominated in Best Documentary. Um, it definitely could have. Um, it has the qualifications to be. I also got to see Fire and Love. Uh, of Love. That one was a beautiful uh, story of two people that loved volcanoes and loved each other um, and died doing what they loved. It was an awesome story. It was beautifully put together. It was very engaging and very entertaining. Uh, Navalny is the only one of these movies, of uh, these five, that's streaming currently. You can watch it on HBO Max. I have that to watch in the next couple of days as well. Nice. Yeah, um, I'd probably root for All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I saw that uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's an amazing um, portrait of uh, activism and art and kind of the blurry lines, if there are lines, uh, between the two. Um, I just thought it was a tremendous uh, piece of filmmaking. But Fire Love is also really good, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the populist uh, favorite. But yeah, I mean, not a ton to complain about. No jackass makes me sad, but whatever. Um Anywho, moving on. So next we have cinematography. Uh, and this is also, this is, you know, uh, I'll get into it. So the nominees we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Fargo, Forest Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. What the hell is up with this category? This is ridiculous. What is going on? This is this a lame is category. A, this is a crazy category. This is probably the most exciting category that um, we had with this year's nominations. Yeah. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front, I think, is the front one on this one. I'm just going to start off with that one. I have yet to see uh, Bardo, but I love Birdman, of course. Everyone loves Birdman. Sure. Um, same director, same writer, obviously. Um, Elvis, uh, what cinematography is my question. Um, <laughs> same thing with Tar. I love Tar. I will defend Tar till I die. Uh -huh. What was what cinematography are we talking about? It was a <laughs> lot. Of, it was a brilliant movie. I could listen to Kate Blanchett talk about music for five hours straight. You cannot but start what without me. What are we talking about? Yeah, that this is a nomination for best cinematography. There were so many movies that um, came in and were incredible this year, and for movies like Tar and Elvis to get it. Uh, breaks my heart. I did not see Empire of Light because uh, Blaine Ward bullied me and told me that I would not be his friend if I went and saw it. That's right. Um, I and wanted by to that. see it. I wanted Ooh, to sucks. see it. I almost bought tickets two or three times, but he was so insistent that I would hate it and that the movie was horrible that yeah. I did not go and see it, and I don't think I will. It sucks balls. Bad movie. Um, <laughs> let me let me get my rundown. I think All Quiet's deserve it. I think the cinematography. I didn't love that movie, but it, it looks gorgeous. Um, I and agree. The camera movements in that movie were uh, really well done. So I wouldn't be um, opposed to that winning. Bardo, not good. I didn't like the movie. However, it does look gorgeous, so I can kind of understand why that's there. Elvis, no. Empire of Light, listen, I love Keaton's. He's one of the most important cinematographers ever. Um, no. And then Tar, I like the Tar cinematography. I'm okay keeping it there. My question is, where is the Batman? Greg Frazier, my guy, he just won for Dune. Why is he not here for the Batman? The Batman's like one of the best superhero movies, like one of the best looking superhero movies I've ever seen. Um, it's a crime that that's not there. And then, I don't know, like, Avatar had really good cinematography. The first one got nominated for cinematography. Why the hell would this one not be? Babylon, another huge snub in that category. Maverick, nope. The Northman, like, come on, what are we doing here? Like, did they watch the movies? I don't know. It seems like um, 
that was uh, a shame. I'm I'm a little upset, which is sad. So, uh, I agree. I agree. anyway, I'm probably with you. I'd uh, put my money on All Quiet winning. If Empire of Light wins, I'm gonna like cry in a pillow. If Empire of Light wins, I will be so pissed at you, Blanward. <laughs> I will be so mad that I didn't go and see it in theaters, and it will be entirely your fault. That's fine. I will. I will. I will bear that burden. I can live with myself. <laughs> Um, all right, so now we're on the screenplay stuff. So, for best original, we have Banshees of Inisherin, and Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fableman's Tar, Triangle of Sadness. Honestly, not a bad lineup. I wish I'm not, I didn't enjoy Triangle of Sadness. I wish After Sun or like Nope maybe made it onto this list, but I don't know. It's not that much to complain about. Um, but yeah, you know, pretty solid list of nominees. Not a lot to get angry about. Um, where are you at with original screenplay? I definitely agree with After Sun deserving a shot at this, but I don't know which one it would take out. Yeah. Um, I love all five of these. I don't think Nope is at the screenplay quality sure. as these five. I think Nope is a brilliant movie. I think it is made brilliantly, and I think it's a brilliant idea, but when it comes to the screenplay, I think each of these movies have something that Nope and a lot of other movies of 2022 do, does not. Yeah. Um, we look at everything everywhere at once. It took the world by storm when it came out. It was on the top of Letterboxd for probably six months straight. It was insane how popular this movie was, and it is well worth it. Um, of course, The Fableman is going to get one. It's Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Those guys are both brilliant screenplay writers. Yeah. Torrent is insane. Like I said uh, just a few minutes ago, I could listen to Kate Blanchett rant about music. For four hours, that right. movie was so well written, it kept you engaged, even if you were someone like me who had no idea about any sort of music theory, it kept you engaged, it kept you one, like on the edge of your seat just wanting to hear what she would say next, and that's because of that brilliant screenplay. Sure. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, one of my favorite viewing experiences this year, loved it, had a great time. Yeah. My pick is going to be Banshee's Savannah Sharon. I loved Banshee's. I thought the script for this movie was perfection i um i have so many friends that are like what was the point of this movie um and sometimes movies don't need to have a point like sometimes movies are just made to be movies movies Mm -hmm. are just made to for you to go and have a great time and this movie was a great time it was dark it was gory it was Alive. It was a friendship. It Barry Keegan was brilliant. Um, every single person, Brendan Gleeson uh, was brilliant. Um, uh, Carrie Cotton, I think, uh, she was awesome. I think every single person did great because it was a great script. They all worked really well, and it just made a really fun movie. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I actually Everybody. think Bitches is going to take this. Um, I think there. If any of them wins. I'm not going to be that upset. I think a triangle wins. I'm right there with you. But um, I I wouldn't be upset with with any of them winning. I think Banshee's has the best um, chance at this. Uh, But, you know, I'd be pleasantly surprised if any other thing got it. So I'm on your side here. Um, All right. So as far as Adapted, which is based on a previous work, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and uh, Women Talking. 
this is a little more confusing for me. Um, I don't think All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, I don't think the screenplay is the reason why most people enjoyed that movie. Um, Class Onion mm -hmm. makes sense. I think, obviously, Knives Out got nominated uh, for a screenplay when that came out. I'm happy that Ryan Johnson has got it again. Uh, Living, that movie's not real. I have not heard anyone talk about it. Uh, I know it's a remake of the... Bill the Knightley? Come on, man. Well, I know. I love him. I'm just saying, it's a remake of Ikaru. Why are you trying to redo an Akira Kurosawa movie, is all I'm saying. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll maybe give it a chance, but uh, I don't know. The fact that it's coming in like kind of out of nowhere is a little surprising for me, but regardless. Uh, Maverick getting in, a lot of people were complaining about um, Maverick in this category, and I agree. Like The script is basic, but the storytelling in that movie really is something special. Like I don't know. The way the movie is able to progress um its characters to that third act is remarkable and the third act is so exciting because you like the characters and again like the tom cruise and jennifer connelly stuff that's really well handled the tom cruise and uh you know miles teller dynamic that's really well handled i think it's a good screenplay um so i'm happy that's there and women talking i think it's a good uh nomination for that as well i don't exactly know what's going to win here i really don't want all quiet to win um personally i'd maybe go with glass onion or women talking um, if I had to pick, but I don't know. That's kind of where my head's at. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna oppose you on this one as well. I, um, was not a huge fan of Glass Onion. I thought it was the exact same movie as The First Knives Out. Um, but I haven't seen Living and Women Talking yet. They're both, uh, coming out on Friday at my local theater. Mm -hmm. So I'll be doing a double feature this weekend to go and, uh, see those two. Nice. Uh, so... I have between Top Gun Maverick and All Quiet on the Western Front. And I really do think that, um, much to your amusement, that Western Front is going to take that one. That just seems like an Academy lock. Um, That's ridiculous. If, if, you look at, <laughs> if you look at the history of the Academy, it just looks like that is the one that's going to take it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Um, you know... <laughs> No, uh, no bones at all, which is sad. I thought that screenplay was really good. Um, no bones. No bones. No bones at all for them. Um, which is sad, but I don't know. Whatever. Uh, it's not that much of a strong category anyway. But hey, it could be all quiet. My guess is maybe women talking might receive it, but I'm not sure. I, you can never tell. Um, it very much could be either of those two. I will uh definitely give you personally my update after this weekend. For sure. Uh, all right. So now we are, uh, we're in the heavyweights, kind of the big six, um, as it were. So let's just hop right into it. So Best Supporting Actress, Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon for Banshees, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere. Um, I don't know what Jamie Lee Curtis is doing here. Everything Everywhere, my favorite movie of the year. I don't understand what Jamie Lee Curtis is doing in this category. She's good in the movie, but it's not like Academy Award nominated work. Now, obviously, I think this is more of a career achievement where it's like, listen, you haven't got a nomination. Here you are for your body of work sort of thing. Um, but I am happy that Stephanie Sue made it. I feel like she's the heart of that movie um, and did a really good job. As far as what's going to win, Angela Bassett has kind of been sweeping um with the wins and i mean her moment that has been in all the trailers is really strong um so i wouldn't be surprised if she gets it honestly i'd maybe give it to hong chow i was not a huge fan of the whale but i thought she was one of the best parts about it um so that's kind of where my head's at where are you at i agree with you um i love jamie lee curtis obviously she was a staple of my childhood we had our freaky fridays that's we right had our, um uh she was uh 
Christmas with the Cranks, right? That's sure. Her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, um, I'm very excited to see Stephanie Lou get that uh, nomination. Uh, that came out of absolutely nowhere. No one yeah. was really expecting that. Um, but it was very good for her. Um, my personal opinion, even when I was watching the Golden Globes, I did not think Andrew Bassett did that stellar of a performance in Wakanda Forever. Sure. I thought there were a lot of really great performances. But I felt like she was probably a C character that in that movie. Yeah. Her um scenes were emotional. They were raw. Um, like that whole movie was emotional. It was raw. It was it was a tribute. Uh, was that movie and it was brilliant for that. But I'm with you on uh loving uh her show for the whale. I think uh she definitely changed up the dynamic of that movie without her. Uh, it would have been something a lot more intense and uh, the intensity that the movie had was perfect. And she brought a little bit of uh, liveliness to that movie. She brought a little bit of realness to that movie to some very strong characters. She brought someone who was very, um, very personable. Um, Keith, uh, Carrie Curtin, um, she's a great, uh, but I don't know. I don't think she is a big contender for this award. No. Um, yeah, I hear you. I, I I think it could go a couple places, but yeah, I feel pretty confident that I think it's either going to be Bassett or Hong Chow. Maybe Carrie Condon sneaks it in, but yeah, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, supporting actor, this is maybe the most confident lock I have. Um, the nominees we have are Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inishirin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, yes, brother, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keegan for The Banshees of Inishirin, and Kiki Kwan for Everything Ever, all that one. Kiki Kwan, my freaking guy, has been sweeping the whole award season, um, and as he should. I thought he was delightful in the movie. I feel like, um, it's a good comeback Oscar for him. I feel like he deserves it. Obviously, these other performances are really good. I have no idea what the hell Judd Hirsch is doing here. Um, he's good in The Fablemans. He's good, but I'd much rather give it to, like, Dano in The Fablemans. Paul Dano, what the hell? Or, I'd even (laughs) give it to Stephen Young in Nope. I'm sorry, I'm on my Nope train, but, uh, Stephen Young was in Nope even more than Judd Hirsch was in The Fablemans, and I thought he was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, beyond that, strong category across the board. Uh, but I think Kiki Kwan's got this locked in the bag. I am very excited to see uh, Brian Terry Henry from Causeway. Um, nobody was really expecting that one. Yeah, he's um, excellent he in that brilliant. movie. Yeah. When I watched that movie, um, I was the one who told you to watch that movie. Actually. That's right. That's right. Um, when I watched that movie, I think I said to you when I was talking to you about it, is uh, about how great Terry Henry's uh, role was. He really... Yeah. He really made that movie what it was. He really um, brought in ways that uh, Lawrence definitely could not have. Um, I was also very interested uh, to see Judd Hirsch uh, getting a nomination. I had to look up who he was because <laughs> I just did not even remember. Um, and yeah, I was texting with a good buddy of mine uh, talking about how Hirsch got it, but Dana did not. We were both pretty distraught as we we're both big Dano fans. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this one is, uh, this one is my third rock of the, this year's Oscars. That's trying to go to Kihi, Kihu, Kihi Kwan. Yeah. Yes. Um, it is going to go to him. I think he deserves this Oscar just for his golden globe speech alone. Um, yeah. That made, 
his Golden Globe speech made me cry. So if you can do a Golden Globe speech that can make me cry, uh, you get all the Oscars from me. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm 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 excited for him to win. He deserves it. Uh, okay. So moving on, best lead actress. Um, so we have Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna De Armas for Blonde, Andrew Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. What in the hell is this category? What is going on here? Um, there are maybe two if performances Canada here. Doesn't take this award. I will lose my. I want you no, I'm to go I'm get just hit kidding. by a truck. Um, yeah, I can, Blanchett obviously deserved. Michelle Yeoh obviously deserved. Anna De Armas, no. Andrew Riseborough, never heard of that movie. No one had. It's one of the most like grassroots campaigns I've heard. Where in the you know voting sphere, a bunch of celebrities were like, "Oh, you gotta check out Andrew Riseborough and To Leslie." No one's heard of that movie. I guess I'll have to watch it now. It's got my boy Mark Maron. I love him. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard that. And then Michelle Williams in the Fablemans, she's good in the Fablemans, but like it really seems like they shut out a lot of like really heavy hitters. No Viola Davis for The Woman King. No Danielle Deadweiler for um, Till. Like. What's going on here? I definitely would have loved to see Viola Davis. Um, uh, the Woman King was probably my top uh, 15 for the year. I loved that performance from her. And she really carried that movie. Yeah. Um, Anna Diarmas is a very confusing choice. She had a good performance in that disgrace of a movie. Yeah. Um, I love going and looking at that um, page on the letterbox. Cause I don't think I have... I think 20 friends that I've watched and reviewed it and not a single one has given it above two stars. Oh, and I have go. not seen a movie like that. It's insane. I love to watch. I love to see it. Um, <laughs> but yes, between Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett, I think Kate Blanchett's going to take that edge. I think that was one of the most dominant performances. And I said that since I came out of that theater the first time yeah. was how much, how strong of a performance she had and how much I just wanted to go and see it again. Yeah, I think Blanchett is easily the front runner for this. There is a shot that Michelle Yeoh could kind of be the underdog and win. Um, obviously, there's a lot of goodwill for her um, in this movie, and it's a very good kind of summation of her entire career. But I feel like it is Blanchett's to lose, but I can see it going either way, um, as far as that goes. But that category, yikes, what a disaster. Um, so continuing on, we have Best Lead Actor. We've got Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Majors of Sharon, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Meskel for Aftersun, Yes Brother, and Bill Nye for Living. Um, Again, Living, not real. Haven't heard of it. But these other nominees, pretty expected. I think um very happy that Paul Meskel got in. I was worried that he'd get shut out. Uh, he's absolutely amazing at Aftersun. But yeah, I mean, the entire conversation's been around Butler, Farrell, and Fraser, And I feel like it really could go to any one of them. My heart would say probably either give it to Farrell or Frazier. I feel like if Butler wins, it'd be a little weird. Um, and I don't want him to win just yet. So that's my that's kind of where I'm at. Where are you at? I'm right there with you. I um, have been rooting for Farrell to take this Oscar from the very beginning, the very first time I've watched this movie. No. Um, Banshee's Divina Sharon is my most watched movie of 2022. Um, but I also loved Paul Mistral and After Sun. That was one of the most uh, emotionally traumatizing movies I watched of 2022, and it was definitely a majority his fault. Um, that movie is powerful. It's intense. It makes you think about your life and think about your death and think about what is important to you, and that movie is so emotionally raw, and uh, that stems from uh, Paul Meskel. He had a brilliant performance in it, but I just don't think it's enough to edge out uh, either Brendan Fraser or Colin Farrell. 
Um, Austin Butler, I don't want to win because I don't want to hear his voice again. I'm not looking forward to seeing Dune Part 2. Yeah, do you think he'll have the Elvis voice part... in that movie? I'm excited for Dune Part 2, but I'm not excited to hear Austin Butler in it. Um, but yeah, I would love to see Colin Farrell get that nomination. He, I think he's just such a good guy. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see Ben and Fraser get a great comeback story, just like he Kwan. Yeah. Um, it would be great. Yeah, I can't wait for Austin Butler in Doom Part 2 to go like, Oh, mama, there's a sandworm. Oh, Baron Harkin, why you gotta be so mean, brother? All that shit. I mean, great. Um, Anywho, yeah, Farrell and <laughs> Frazier, I don't necessarily give a shit. Um, Best Director, we've got Martin McDonough for Adventures of the Sharon, Dan, uh, both Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fable Wins, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. Again, pretty strong lineup. Um, I'm happy Baz Luhrmann didn't get here. I Like, Elvis... It was all right, but I feel like people are overhyping it. Um, yeah, I feel He's like this, in general. I feel like again, this one could also go um, a variety of different ways. I think Spielberg's probably got it for Fablemans. Um, I feel like there's a lot of goodwill for him, and the fact that he made it a personal story and everyone really enjoyed it. I feel like he's probably the lock. It could go to the Daniels. That's the other. That's the only other um, viable option in my mind. I don't think McDonough's got it, because I think Banshees is going to be best represented in that screenplay, as opposed to the directing. But, yeah, if I had to lock, I'd say Spielberg. Um, I agree with you. I think uh, he has the name that um, all the other directors do not. I was uh, very surprised to see Ruben Osmond uh, get it in for Triangle of Sadness. Um, right. But I was, I was happy with it. I think back of that movie, and it did have very strong, it, even if it wasn't a strong screenplay, it was a very strong movie, and I, I think a lot of that comes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, the Daniels, of course, um, have been a frontrunner for a long time for this one, uh, but I think it's going to go to Spielberg. I would love for McDonald to get it, but um, I don't think that, I think that's probably third place finish for McDonough. Yeah, I hear you. All right. So that takes us to the big boys. The uh, best picture, thankfully, they've implemented a rule where they have to nominate 10 movies, which is good because, um, you know, that leaves more on the table, which is great. Um, so we have uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Um... Overall, like, not a bad Best Picture lineup. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff I really like in here. Again, I really don't understand why everyone's dick writing All Quiet on the Western Front. Like, it's good. It's not that good. Like, can we calm down? Um, Elvis being on here, it's not for me, but whatever. Uh, Angry. Yeah. You know, Triangle of Sadness, I guess. Women Talking. I'm okay with Women Talking on there. I didn't care for Women Talking, but it, it, a lot of people liked it more than I did. Um, did you get to see it already? Yeah, mm-hmm, I've seen it. Okay. It was all right. I didn't love it, but um, yeah, I don't know. My uh, my main thing is I'm just butt hurt because uh, no RRR, no nope, uh, you know, like what happened, guys? Where, what are we doing? Um, no woman king. Like, come on, what, what what's going on here? I don't know. Um, yeah, solid. I agree. Place. It was tough to it was tough to not see nope here. Um. Uh, not not nope. I don't care about nope. Uh, it was tough to not see RR here. We knew yeah. it wasn't going to be um in a best international feature because it wasn't nominated by India to represent. Um, right. But we were hoping there's a chance that it would be on this nomination list for best picture, but it wasn't. Um, 
I uh, am confused about Elvis. Uh, whoever put, voted for that to go into Best Picture should go straight to jail. Um, <laughs> they It does have a lot of momentum right now with the other awards circuits, and I'm very nervous about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think The Fablements has a great shot. Like I said earlier, Steven Spielberg, Tony Kirchner, both incredible people, uh, incredible names uh, just to have. Um but I, my heart goes to Banshees of Inisherin, and I have my mind starting to go there as well. I'm thinking that Banshees has a great shot. Um, the only other one that can really compete with that is Everything Everywhere. Um, I, I would be happy with either one. I loved Everything Everywhere. I loved the Daniels. Um, I, I would love to see... Um, um, I, I, yeah, uh, sorry. I'd love to see um, Jamie Lee Curtis get up on the stage uh, with the rest of the crew and uh, get an Oscar. Um, but I think that movie was great. Um, but at the end of the day, my heart is set on Ben Susan and Sharon. Um, I'm, I cannot wait to watch it for a fifth time and just uh, watch them take that Oscar home. What if Avatar wins? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that'd be if awesome. Avatar one. I think I would that. go wild, and I would, I would, I would love that just as much. I would have <laughs> such a fun time. That'd be awesome. Everyone would hate it. Um, the backlash would be Everyone would overwhelming. Be but uh, that'd be awesome. I love my Tolkien brothers. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I feel like this is kind of out of the ten, five are kind of swirling around each other for the victory. We have Banshees, uh, everything everywhere, Fablemans, Tar, and Maverick. I feel like those are kind of the five that, like, everyone has their eyes on. And honestly, like, it really could go either way. There is a chance that everyone just really liked Maverick. And the fact that, you know, it brought people back to the movies finally. Like, everyone really enjoyed it. Had a really good story. Amazing action sequences. Um, you know, I think it's very possible that that could win. I don't think it's going to happen. Tar could like, kind of be the underdog here. It could sweep in. But I think the main conversation is between Banshees, Everything Everywhere, and Fablemans. And I agree with you. I feel like Banshees and Everything Everywhere are the front runners here. My, I think Everything Everywhere could take it, only because The Shape of Water took it in 2017. And I feel like if the Academy can make that win Best Picture for how kind of weird and kooky that one is, I feel like it's not totally outside the realm for them to go Everything Everywhere as well. But it really could go either way. And I think that's kind of exciting that we don't have like a dead lock for this category. So I agree with you. Um, while I... Um... Yeah, I agree with you. I am very excited to see it. I would love to see um, Avatar win it, uh, of course. I think everyone <laughs> would love to see Avatar win it. Um, Absolutely. But since we're not going to get that, um, I'll, I'll take a Banshee's of Inisherin win, and I'll take a Banshee's of Inisherin sweep without this Oscars. That's fine. Hey, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, it'll be an interesting Oscars. I feel like a lot of these are pretty predictable picks just as far as like the award season going i mean obviously there's some where you're like what the hell like adrian riseborough from two leslie or you know your judd hirsch or something like that where like where did that come from but i don't know i i feel like some of the winners are fairly obvious but every now and then there's some surprises and hopefully this oscar um ceremony has some fun surprises uh that people can enjoy but yeah i don't know i guess my overall thoughts are solid list um you know obviously there's things to love things to hate but it's basically another oscar nominations um as far as my roundup goes so you know kind of where i'm at i agree i'm excited um the oscars are on march 12th 2023 if anyone is wondering about that um yeah. it'll be exciting be sure to get all your best picture 
movies uh, watched before then and uh, give it, uh, let us know what you think. Let us know who's uh, who you think is going to take it home. Right. I'm going to get attacked by the All Quiet on the Western Front crowd. They're going to come after me with their, their muskets. They're going to be chasing me down. That. I'd yeah. love to see you get attacked. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, this is the next part of the podcast. I'm willing to like fight people um on this pod. I want to have hot takes. That's what we're all about here. Hot um, takes. But anywho, well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Nico, thanks for coming on, man. I was gonna have you on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun talking about it. I'm excited to uh, see who's gonna take these awards home. Absolutely, it's always cool to see. Uh, you know what, what's important uh, in the awards industry, and see what people are checking out. Because um, you never know, you might enjoy, you might discover something from there too, and maybe that's a new favorite that you'll find. So it's always good to have that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, the Real You Podcast is found anywhere you find your podcast: Google, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, Anchor, wherever you find your uh, podcast, we're there. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Have a lovely week. Bye.